0: Hey, all right, here we are. Uh, Welcome into the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. Uh, We're gonna start a new book today, all the way back at the very front of the Bible, Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. This book, Genesis, is crucial uh, to understand at least these first six chapters for the understanding of the rest of the Bible. Within these first six chapters, we learn of the creation. We learn of the overthrow of Satan, as a matter of fact, and then we also learn of God's plan and Satan's plan. The very first prophecy of the Bible is Genesis chapter 3:15, uh verse 15, and we'll get to that, but it gives it lays out everything that we need to know to understand what's coming and what's been. Uh with that being said, we're going to be moving around a lot today uh through the Bible. There's uh quite a few different chapters uh that we need to get in different books to understand even the first two verses of this uh, great book of Genesis. So with that being said, let's go ahead and hit the ground running. We ask of that uh, wisdom and understanding and clarity in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. A peri- that period right there is very important because that in turn lets us know that's the end of that statement. It's not a common leading into verse 2. It's, that's that. Billions of years ago, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And why is that important? Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So if you go to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18, and I'm going to flip over there right quick. We just got one verse to read out of it. Uh, Then we'll be right back here. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. And it says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. So what we hear right there is God created the earth beautiful, a garden, just a paradise, not in vain. This word in the Hebrew is tuhu. Now, why is that important? Because in verse 2, it says that the earth was Without form and void, tuhu vabuhu. Now, some might see that as a contradiction, but if you take it back to the Hebrew, the word was and the earth was is actually a mistranslation. Um, in the Strong's Concordance, you can check it out for yourself. It's the word 1961 in the Hebrew uh, dictionary, and it's hayah, and the earth haya tuhu vabuhu. And that word hayah means to become or became. So let's read it the way it should have been translated. And the earth became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Now why would it become void and without form? With that, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 12. All the way back. We're going all the way from the first book to the last book. That's how important these first few chapters of Genesis are. They cover the whole thing. So Revelation chapter 12 covers more in one chapter, more time than most any other chapter uh, or book in the word of God, because it has to do with the original creation, the time that we're in now, and getting into the time that we're going to go to, uh, which is the millennium and the eternity. So chapter 12, verse 1, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with, uh, with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now this is Mother Israel that we're talking about here. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Many times, Matthew 24, Mark 13, uh, Luke 21, Christ would talk about uh, birth pains, and, and it being at his coming, it would be as the earth was travailing as a woman in birth. And what this is talking about is a new age, a new eon of time. Verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Now this can be confusing. Just just let it flow is not a problem. We know that that dragon is Satan. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So what happened here? The, the stars of heaven are symbolic of the children of God. And this great dragon, this Lucifer, Satan, he deceived a third of God's children in the time that was and caused them to rebel against God because he decided that he, would, he, he wanted to be God. Um, Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28, and in that, we're going to see exactly what happened with Satan, what, what his downfall was. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 28, and we're going to pick it up at verse 12, and verse 12 reads, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, this king of Tyrus, Tyrus in the Hebrew means rock. Now, Satan is that false rock. Christ is the true rock, and that's the rock you want to put your, your, your trust in and your faith in. Now, this false rock is a deceiver and a destroyer, and he's always a liar. But what did it say right here? Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He was the full package, and God was proud of him at one point in time. Verse 13, thou has been in the, in Eden, the garden of God. And this Eden, it means um, a paradise, uh, the, the paradise that was. And also this is given evidence that this is that serpent, the old devil uh, that was in the garden of Eden that tempted Adam and Eve. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou was created. God created Satan. He didn't just show up and uh, he didn't create himself or anything like that. God created him. He is one of God's children, just as we are God's children. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now this is before the fall. This is before what we just read of. In Revelation chapter 12, where he drew a third of the stars. At this point, he was basically an archangel. He was like Michael or Gabriel, and he covered the mercy seat. He was a guard over the throne of God. He had worked his way up, being so trustworthy, so wise, and so loyal to God that he was the guard of God's own throne. And I have set thee so. God put him there. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He was right there at the altar. He was right there at the throne. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. So he just, he saw he was pretty. He saw he was beautiful. He knew he was wise, as it says in uh, Genesis chapter 3. He was more subtle than any beast of the field. That means more cunning, more wise than anything on earth. And so, basically, his ego started swelling up. His pride started swelling up. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O cover cherubim, from the midst of the stones of fire. He's the only... you, You want to talk about the or, or many people talk about the son of perdition and are confused about it. Right here, this is the only entity that is called by name that God has sent to be destroyed. That's that's perdition, to be to perish. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Oh, he, he was something. Thou has corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. He just thought he was a little smarter than God, thought he wanted to be God. Figured, hey, I'm guarding it. I'm, I'm guarding, guarding this throne of God, so I must be a little smarter, or a little more powerful than everybody around. Maybe I ought to be God. That's, that's not good. I will cast thee to the ground, I will lay thee before the kings, that they may behold thee. Isaiah chapter 14, uh, verses 15 to 17, says that in that time, in the millennium, he will be cast into the abyss, and the children of God will walk by and look upon him and say, is this the man that that, deceive the world? This guy right here? 18. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall defi- devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. That's not a good thing. That is his death sentence right there. People wonder Oh well, what about this and what about that? Well, right there, God just said, He will destroy Satan. All that all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. They shall be a terror, or thou shalt be a terror, and never shall thou be any more. He's gone. His death sentence is sealed right there. His fate is sealed, and he will never again bother us. So at that time, though, During this rebellion, a third of God's children followed this guy, this character, this Satan, this deceiver, this one that was full of wisdom and beauty. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 4, God explains exactly what happened here. Uh, At this rebellion, how did God handle this situation for the time being? Because obviously we know Satan's still around. He's not dead yet. But he will, Jeremiah chapter four. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. Verse 22: For my people is foolish. This is God speaking. They have not known me. They are sodish children. Sodish is an old Anglo-Saxon word uh, connected with sod or dirt. So he's saying they're dumber than dirt is what he's saying here. And they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. Why wouldn't they have knowledge? Because they don't study. To do good, you've got to study to know how to do good. The flesh automatically, you have fleshly urges, and in this flesh, all fall short, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So it's real easy to do evil. But to do good, you must be disciplined, and you've got to know the Word of God to understand right from wrong. If you don't search out, then you won't have that knowledge. I beheld the earth, verse 23, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. Tuhu vabuhu. Now it was created beautifully, but now, at this point, it's, without, it's void and without form. And the heavens, and they had no light. God had just become very irritated. I beheld and the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of heaven were fled. Now, many might say that this is Noah's flood that this is talking about. Well, there was no man, and all the birds were fled. Well, we know that Noah and his family was on the ark, and two of every flesh was on the ark. So this is not that. In the Greek, this is called the katabol, the overthrow. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the lord and by his fierce anger he was mad his basically pride and joy this satan that was the the perfect the full package had just come up and tried to rebel tried to take the throne from god now that all that's just not that that will run god hot and did run god hot Verse 27, for thus hath the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. Now, what is this full end he's talking about? He destroyed that time. He didn't destroy the, the earth, the erets, the terra firma, but he destroyed that eon. You might say, well, what are you talking about here? We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and... Peter really brings this out. Uh, He does a great job of explaining that there are different times. uh, That there are actually three different ages. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we will pick it up. Let's just pick it up in verse 1. We'll We'll just take it straight through. Verse 1, The second epistle, beloved, I write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. What he's saying is we knew this before. Let, let me remind you of what, what's going on. That you may be mindful of the words which were spur- spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So this is, this is everything that's been spoken. Let's just talk about it for a minute. Is what he's saying. Verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day's scoffers walking after their own lusts. So they're going to, oh, God's not coming back. Oh, you know, it's just, whatever. We'll live to die another day, pretty much. Verse 4. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. All the end's not going to come. My... Everybody for the last few generations, for the last hundreds of years, have said, oh, the end is coming. This is the last generation. Well, if you look around today at the rate prophecy is being fulfilled, the fact that we are in the fig tree generation, that Israel became a nation in 1948, setting out that shoot to begin that generation, the end is near. It is coming sometime during this generation. Uh, Now, there are different lengths of years for generations, there's a 40-year generation, a 70- to 80-year generation, and a 120-year generation. So when will it come? We don't know. We don't know the exact day or the hour, but we are to know the season, and we are in that season. Verse five: "For this they will- willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. This don't say when, it just says, "In the beginning." Uh, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now, this is that rebellion. This is that overflowed right there. It's katakluso in the Greek, and it means a raging raging wave being dashed down or overthrown. Uh, Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So we got the earth that was, and this is before flesh entered into this earth. You might say, well, what do you mean before flesh entered into this earth? God created all souls for his pleasure. Last verse of Revelation chapter 4. And we were all created at the same time, which you can read in Proverbs chapter 8, if my memory serves me right. And every soul that was created is God's because God created him. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4 will document that. You can't give your soul away to anybody. You can't sell your soul. God owns your soul already. It's just if you're going to love Him or not. And that's the whole reason that we're here is because of this rebellion in that first age, that first eon, when we were all in our spiritual bodies. Instead of God killing a third of His children... And if you look around, we're all God's children, okay? We're all in our souls, or our souls were all created by God. And in the world today, there are around 7 billion people. And if you go all the way back and follow the, the, the math and all that kind of stuff, you're looking at around 14 billion people from day one. A third of 14 billion, just say 15 to make the numbers easy, a third of that is 5 billion children that he would have had to kill at that moment. I can't even think of hurting one of my children, much less five billion. So God allowed us to come through in the flesh in this age. whereby are by the, the, the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word. God created these what we're in now in the flesh so that we're born of woman innocent to make up our mind whether we love God or whether we're going to follow Satan. Well, I hope you love God. You're studying this word. I'm sure you do love God. Uh, Verse 8, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, this points to the Lord's day, that millennium, that that, that millennial kingdom that's set up. And that's a a, a very interesting subject as far as... um, Redemption, I guess you could say. Teaching. And that'll probably be another subject for another time. Uh, Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He don't want to kill a single one of His children. Satan's already gone. And there are a few others that aren't mentioned by name, but just a number. That are gone also. That's the fallen angels that you read of in Genesis chapter 6. You can also read of them in Jude. And at the seventh trump, they are gone. They're they're blotted out. And Satan is also one that is destined to die. Other than that, God don't want to lose a single soul. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's going to be a surprise. In... The which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, that seventh trump. And the elements, now in the Hebrew, this is stanchion, this is the rudiments, the wickedness, shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now all these wicked rudiments, that's what it's talking about, the bad works, the evil works. They're going to be done away with right then. Verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you, be, ought you be in all holy conversation and goodliness? Seeing that all the evil is going to get blotted right then, that, that the, the evil works are going to be gone, we need to strive to do a little better. We need to strive to, be, to, to follow God's word. We don't need to, to follow Satan's stuff. Verse 12, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, the day of God that comes back is after that millennium, after the day of the Lord. Now, these are two different times. And that time, whenever He returns, is when that lake of fire is opened up, and all those who don't receive the second resurrection will be cast in for the second death and blotted out completely. Verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look, for new heavens and a new earth. Now this is uh, in the in the Greek this is kainos and it means a new age, a new heaven age, a new earth age. So we've we've covered three ages here, the age that was, the age that is now, and the age that will be. All of this is wrapped or well the first two are wrapped in the first two uh verses of Genesis. Now, let's return back to Genesis and move forward. So, we'll pick it up um, in verse 2 again. And the earth became void and without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the Hebrew, this goes quite a bit deeper than what it is said here. Um... Just in passing, we'll just we'll just run through it right quick. Uh, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. This darkness is wickedness, um, and was was upon the face of the deep, meaning it was the the deep is tehom, uh, and it means the abyss. So this darkness is Choshek or evil. So the wicked the wickedness was in the abyss. Satan drew a third of the stars. They were rebelling against God. God put a stop to it, put Satan in the abyss for a moment. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. This word moved is rakaf in the Hebrew, and it means to brood, to think very deeply about something that's has angered you. So the Spirit of God was brooding over what had happened. He was hot. He was mad. And we learn in Revelation chapter 17 that the waters of the people so this can be read spiritually. If you take this in the spiritual sense, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. And in during that time, Satan rebelled. And the earth became void and without form. Satan was cast into the abyss for a time, cast over near it. And the Spirit of God brooded, was angrily thinking, while being in the face of, of the children, standing in front of his children that were rebelled against him. Just, I mean, just imagine this. You've got a third of your creation has come up against you. And this is God. I can't say you or me, because obviously we don't, we can't think on the higher of of plane as God can. But at this point, they've come against you and you've snapped. Uh, And by snapped, I mean, you've ended that. That's done. Rebellion's over. Knocked out that age. And he's thinking. How are we going? Am I going to kill my children? Or am I going to give them a chance? Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. This word light is or. It's 2.16 in the Hebrew. And it means glory. Or happiness. The spirit of God. That light. That Shekinah glory showed up. And he said, okay, we got this. And God saw the light and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Again, this darkness is choshek, evilness, wickedness. So he's got good and he's got evil. And at this point, he's not moved away from the face of the waters, okay? So just kind of keep that in your mind spiritually. The souls are there and God is doing this. And God called the light day. And you'll notice that is a capital D. And he called the darkness, or in the darkness he called night, and that is a capital N. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So you've got the glory and you've got the wickedness. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, a lot of people get confused over this light because the sun and the moon and stars ain't there yet. It's the glory of God. Verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. A lot of people, you know, you want to, like the Grand Canyon and stuff, people say it took millions of years for that to happen. If you get if you talk to archaeologists, they'll say this looked like something that happened very quick, within a matter of days, maybe weeks. This right here, gathering all the waters into one place and m- pulling that dry land up, that would cause extreme erosion. Uh, the Grand Canyon being evidence of one of these places, that this was the recreation, the reforming of the earth, into what it is now. Verse 10, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb-yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day, lowercase d, from the night, lowercase n. And let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now these lights are meor, and they are a luminous body. They're not the same as what was spoken of in, on the first day. Verse 16, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And you notice all these are lowercase, whereas the lights before and the darkness before was uppercase, showing the, symb- the symbolism there of good and evil. God and Satan. Uh, verse 17. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw it was good. Uh, verse 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open and firmament of heaven now so, well let me let me get the next couple of verses verse 21 and god created great whales and every living creature that moveth moveth with the waters brought forth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind and god saw it was good and he blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply on the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. This, every moving creature uh, in verse 20, that, that, that is provided by, or provided for by the sea, some scholars believe, uh, being that this, this creature in the Hebrew is nefesh, every living soul, every moving soul that hath life. And so what this is talking about, uh what what some scholars say that this is saying is that this is where your fishers came from. You know, you've got the Asiatic uh culture that their rice, their crop grows in the water, they live off of fish, you know, the the seaweed or or whatever you call it that you wrap the sushi with is is all water-based. And so Some scholars say that this is the creation of those peoples. Verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the field after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So we're going to stop there for today uh, because we've got to get into some more Hebrew in verse 26. We'll pick it up in verse 26 tomorrow or, or in the next time. And it really gets interesting. Um, I hope that this wasn't too much. I hope it didn't confuse you too much. Uh just let it flow. And in everything, if you have a Strongest Concordance and a King James Version Bible, you can check out everything that I've said. And uh, I encourage you to do that. Je- uh, Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 17 says, Cursed is the man that believeth on man. So don't trust any man when it comes to God's word. Do your work. Seek it out yourself. Study, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, Study to show thyself approved. A workman being not ashamed, needing not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. May God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.